Adonis got into a fight today, and he's in holding. If you want to see him, we're going to have to go up there. He's a good kid. He just... Fights. All the time. Adonis. Come on in. I'd like you to meet Mrs. Um, could we have a moment, please? Sure. I'll be right outside. Why were you fighting? I'm not going to another group home. I'm not from a group home. You're a social worker. No. I am not a social worker. I'm sorry about your mother. I know what it's like to lose someone. When your father died, I was angry for so long. I hurt myself, pushed family away. I don't have no father. What did you say? I said I don't have no father. That's not true. He passed before you were born, but you had a father. You know? He was my husband. Adonis, I would like it very much if you would come and stay with me. Do you think you'd want to do that? What was his name? Adonis's problem is he had an identity crisis. He didn't know his dad, and so he didn't know where he was from. And it wasn't until he was adopted that changes began to happen in his life. Now, probably everybody in this room knew your parents, but how many of you in this room got to request your parents? You put in a requisition, God, I want these two, right? No one? No one? Right? Oh, okay. So nobody got to choose their parents. We can't control that. But did you know that every one of us gets to choose our spiritual father? And whether you're a Christ follower or not, you have a spiritual father. According to Jesus Christ, you're either, your father is even either God or it's the devil. And if you don't choose God by default, your spiritual daddy is the devil. Those are Jesus' words, not my words. Get mad at him. Talk to him about that. So what I'm going to do today is I want to talk about the fact that you will never reach your full potential in this life until you know who you are, till you understand who you are. And your earthly parents are just a part of that equation, whether, whether you knew them or not, whether they planned you or not, whether they were good parents or not, that does not determine whether you make an impact in this life and for eternity. There are two key factors that will determine whether you make an impact for eternity. And the first factor is, have you been adopted by your heavenly father, God? You have to be adopted. That's first. Second, Second factor that determines whether you reach your full potential is, are you training to be more like your heavenly father? 
Now, I want to talk about adoption for just a second. Ephesians 1.5 says this. God decided in advance to do what? To do what? Okay, let's read it together. God decided in advance to what? Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You get into the family of God through Jesus Christ. You're adopted through Jesus Christ. He says this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Now here's the thing. Every person, I believe the scripture says, and I believe what the scripture says, and in Psalm 139 it says we were knit together in our mother's wombs. So every child, if that's true, every child is a creation of God. God knits them together in their mother's womb. But not every person who's born is a child of God. They're a creation of God, but not a child of God. It takes God's adoption in order to be in the family of God, to be a child of God. When you are, when you are adopted into God's family, his Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and gives you the ability to learn things spiritually. And as you cooperate with God day by day, he helps you understand things better and better. Now, let me ask you a question. I know your kids are the most, are the most brilliant. Your grandkids are the most brilliant besides any other. There's, there's no competition. So let me ask you, do your kids, do your grandkids in their first one or two years of life, do they understand? understand quantum physics. If yours are the brightest and the best and they don't understand quantum physics, the rest of us don't either. Well, here's the thing. Neither does a brand new Christian understand things spiritually because the Bible says you become a child of God and you're, you, you have to mature. So it's kind of like this. This, uh, this suitcase is, is, is a pretty special suitcase. It is a Samsonite. And this suitcase has been to Israel, the, the God's holy land. This, this suitcase has been to Haiti a couple of times. Um, this suitcase is very special. This suitcase has lived a really, really good life life, but there's nothing in it. This is like a person who is born without Christ. You can have a good life. You can go on vacations. You can love your spouse. You can love your children. You can love your job, but you have zero spiritual capacity. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not living inside of you. You do not get the Holy Spirit of God to come inside of you until you are adopted. So every person who's born is a creation of God. You're not a child of God until you're adopted into his family. And the Bible says, then he gives you the Holy Spirit and you get spiritual insight. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't understand the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to you. You can't understand them because they're spiritually appraised. You only get the Spirit of God when you're adopted into the family of God. Now, when you don't know your spiritual father, you fight battles that God never intended for you to fight. That's what's happening with Creed in this thing. He's in Tijuana, Mexico. He's fighting no-name people who don't know his name either. They don't care. He's fighting battles he shouldn't be fighting. Watch this. Hey, James, 
Joking, right? You get a promotion and you're quitting? Look, this career just ain't for me. What are you gonna do? Hey, man, thanks for everything. You see your new office? Mm, yeah, but um. Well, what's it like? This is a big deal. This promotion. Do they hire your assistant? Very proud of you. sweet Apollo discovers that his dad was a world champion boxer and he tries really really hard to be like his daddy do you think he succeeded not by trying harder how many of you have tried really really hard to be like God you tried really really hard to be a good Christian let me see your hands a few of us really that's all that's tried I mean you went to camp and got excited and you tried how many of you have failed when you've tried to be a really good Christian. All right, that's, that's what the point I'm trying to make today. Trying harder isn't the key. There's got to be more to the Christian life, to being a fully devoted follower of Christ, than just trying harder. And we're going to talk about training in just a minute. Let's see what Jesus had to say about being his follower, and let's see whether your trying harder has helped you succeed. John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. Those are unbelievably astonishing words. The founder of Christianity said, if you're not doing things like I did, if you're not doing greater things than I did, then there's a problem. Do you know what the problem is? You are. I am. Because we're trying to do things in our power and we will always fail when we try to do things in our power. I want you to watch Creed because he decides to go to his daddy's gym, his legacy, and he's going to try really, really hard to be like his daddy. He's going to try really, really hard to impress people and it doesn't go so well. Take it to him. Take it to the body. There you go. Make your time count, baby. You know what's coming up. There you go. Check out. What you doing here, man? 15 and 0, 15 knockouts. 
in Tijuana? Nah, bro. That's barroom brawling. Yeah, well, I'm all in anyway. So I figured we start out local just to get our momentum going, and we can move wherever we want to move. We? Yeah, I was figuring you got These boys come in here. This is how they survive. They got to fight for life. Kill or be killed. People die in there. Your daddy died in the ring. This ain't no joke. I don't know him. I ain't got nothing to do with me. Oh, okay. You real tough now. Yup. Nah, I ain't training you. You know I ain't training. Ain't nobody training you. I'm gonna make sure about that. We making chance in the Delphi gym. We're not dancing. We're not singing. We fighting. Hey, hey, listen up. Adonis. These are the keys to my stain right here. Adonis, get out the ring. All you gotta do is land one clean headshot. What I gotta put up for? Put up your hands. You a pro, right? No, 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 no. You ain't got to prove nothing to me. Don't listen to your family, boy. At least put on your headgear. No headgear? Mm-hmm. On you. Kill it, all right? Yeah, kill it, all right, little dude? Where was you at when I was in group homes, huh? You miss a meal? Nah. Which one of your killers in here next? You pick them. You pick who's next. I'm next. Hey, I just need one round, bro. Ah, uh, you want to warm up? I need no warm up. Get my stuff. I see you got your head, you're wrong. Good job. So I became a youth minister in 1983, and something that I, I discovered, so 33 years I've been in, in the ministry, and I discovered that, that this syndrome happens with every Christ follower at some point. They think that they are more equipped to handle spiritual battle than they are. So they go and they, they get close to God. Maybe it's at youth camp. Maybe it's at a conference. Maybe it's at even Trace Dias. They get close to God, and they are on fire, and it is real for a while. They come home, they make some changes, and man, it looks good for a few days or a few weeks. But before you know it, they are, they are further from God than even when they started. The enemy is beating them up, and they're not even close to Christ. They may be even farther than when they started. I don't understand that, but Jesus did. Why does it happen? Jesus is going to tell us why. In John chapter 15. He's speaking to his disciples. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. God wants us to produce much fruit, but the only way we can do that, Jesus tells us there's one thing that's required to be the the Christ follower that he wants us to be. And that's Remaining in him. True Christianity means I need to remain in him. There you go. Now, a, a picture down there at the bottom, Justin. Uh, go down and find that. You see this grapevine? Um, lots of grapes, right? Looks good, right? Everybody except Thatcher. Thatcher doesn't like fruit, so he wouldn't like that. This is actually a picture from the Holy Land, from, from Israel. One of the things that blew me away when I was in Israel was um, how fertile the ground was. The, the fruits and vegetables were so much larger than anything you get here. Head of cabbage was like bigger than your head. It was unbelievable to see things. So my question is, okay, these are really, really good looking grapes. And you can see the, the branch there, the base of the branch. My question is, how much work did the, did the vine do to produ- produce the grapes? Who should get the, the credit, the, the, the base, the branch, or the vine? What, what, is, what does the vine do to produce? All the vine does is accept what the branch gives it, all the nutrients, all the things that, that that fruit needs, and it just passes it along. And it's the same thing in the Christian life. If you want to be successful according to Jesus, Jesus' eyes, you just remain close to him, and whatever he gives you, pass on to someone else. God never blesses you for you. God always blesses you that you'll bless someone else. If God gives you the gift of teaching, you're supposed to teach. If God gives you the gift of mercy, you're supposed to go and, and, and listen to people um, as they work. Through some if God gives you finances, you're supposed to pass those finances on to others. God always blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. And, and if you're going to, to do something significant with your life, it, it, will, it means remaining close to him. And remaining in Jesus requires training. Now, uh, put that uh, picture of the in, insane inflatable 5K run. We heard about this thing. This is going to be in Tyler on November 5th. My family is actually running at the 11 o'clock time. I showed them this video. My girls were like, yes. And I showed Janie and she goes, oh, no. She said, I'm going to die. I said, no, baby, we can train. And so she's already in training. I'm in training. And, and I'm just going to tell you that, that there's a huge difference between trying and training. Ask some of the people, and, and I'm not casting stones, they'll be happy to tell you. Ask some of the people who went to Haiti with us this year. There was a hill we called Heartbreak Hill. It, it, it was tough. And if you've never been up a Heartbreak it's, it's a big deal. Well, I got on my bicycle about five weeks before and, and the first day I went out and I rode my bicycle and, it, and the shifter wasn't working and I got stuck in a high gear and I'm like, dude, I am not taking on big hills with a, with a high gear. So I rode about three miles the first day. Second day I got a new bike and I, and I went six miles and then I went 10 miles and then I went 13 miles and, and I, I said, 13 is enough. So I started riding 13 miles every day and man, I am glad that I did because the first time we went up Heartbreak Hill, it was tough. What happened was we come into Jock Mail. So we ride three hours through the, the, the hillside into uh, Jock Mail and our bus breaks down. And so this just happens to us in, in Haiti every time. So our bus breaks down. It's a couple hours. They call a tap tap. The reason it's called a tap tap, it's basically a big truck that has kind of like stadium seating put in the back. And, and this is public transportation in Haiti. And so when you get where you want to go, you tap on the side. 
that's, it's called a tap tap. We had a big one. This was a big one. So uh, we put all of our luggage and all of our 15 people in this big tap tap and it had a metal frame around it. And so I was standing at the back and one of the, one of the translators was back there with me. Gary, I think was back there with me. We had people around and we had people sitting up on the cab because there's stadium seating. So it's up on the cab of the truck. And, and I'm telling you, we had to go up some hills and we, we go through rivers, uh, over the river, the woods to grandmother's house. We go, that's what it was like. Oh, and, and we're bouncing and, and, uh, Casey Allen thought she had the best seat. She's sitting up on the cab right here. So if you're looking from the back of the truck, she's up here and she's going, I got the best seat in the house. Well, then we start going up these mountains. Trees are everywhere and branches are sticking out and I'd go branch. And she'd turn around, whap and knock her over. And she goes, I don't have the best seat in the house anymore. Well, we get to where we're going to go. It's a long ride. It's bumpy. I had this big metal bar in my armpit and it was knocking my armpit all over the place, bruises, all that stuff. So we get to where we're going to go and, and we're actually, we're not even to the church yet. Hannah and I had been there. So I'm like, the church is up there and we're at the bottom of this, this honking hill. And the dude says, he says a few words in Creole and our translator said, uh, we got to get out. He can't get us and our luggage up the hill. So we walk up the hill and man, we're puffing. This is a hill. It's tough. The tap tap. And it's not just a little pickup. This is a big flatbed truck that's had this stuff put on there. So he, he backs up the first time and, and he tries to make it up the hill. He can't make it up the hill because it's too steep. So he backs up further. Four times home chicken had to back up and fly up the hill and he finally, and there's rocks flying everywhere. There's stuff. We're going, please make it, please make it. Cause I'd walked up by myself. I did not want to carry two suitcases up heartbreak hill. Point I'm trying to make is if you don't, there's a difference in trying hard and training. You could try hard and probably make it up the hill. Some people tried hard and they made it up the hill and they hated that hill. That hill did not help them get to Jesus. It was, it was, it was a problem. But if you train, training will help you do some things that trying can't. Let me explain what that is. Training means to arrange your life around certain exercises that, that will enable you to do eventually what you're not able to do even by trying hard. One of my favorite pastors said this, it's in one of his books, John Ortberg. Um, he's written a book called the life you've always wanted. Great book. If you want to get that and read, this is, this is a whole chapter. He did just trying versus training. Training means to arrange your life around certain exercises that will enable you to do eventually what you're not able to do even by trying hard. So that means if I want to be a a fully devoted follower of Christ, I've got to arrange my life around those things, those activities that allow me to stay close, to remain in him. Jesus said the key is to remain in. So I have to have activities in my life that allow me to remain in Jesus. Then I get the power to produce fruit. I get all I need to to pass on to other people to, to build the kingdom of God. And so what it means is I've got to learn to put some spiritual in my life. Here's a spiritual discipline. This is what it means. Any activity that can help me gain power to live like Jesus. Now in a few weeks, we're going to talk more about the spiritual disciplines, but, but let me just say this today. The spiritual disciplines are, are Bible study, prayer, small groups, worship, evangelism, discipleship, serving, all of those types of things. We'll talk about that in, in, in the, a few weeks in September. But here's, here's the point that I, that I want to make to you today. You're as close to Jesus as you choose to be today. Tomorrow, you'll be as close to Jesus as you choose to be. Your life is a reflection of the things you choose to do. If you choose to be close to Jesus, you're going to have activities in your life that, that draw you closer to him. Does that make sense? Say yes. All right. Thank you. Now, what I want you to understand is you have to discover those things that work in your life to help you draw near to Jesus. 
So my, my list of spiritual disciplines might be a little bit different. It, we're always going to have Bible study. We're always going to have prayer, all of those things. But, but the way you do it is going to look different for me because you're different from me, right? So you've got to figure out those things. And, and spiritual discipline is something that comes from the scripture. Look at um, 1 Timothy 4, 7. Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and here's what he says. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. This is something that we've got to, to make a choice to do. Then look what he says. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. If you exercise physically, that's great for this life. It does nothing for you in heaven. If you exercise spiritually, it blesses you now and it blesses you in eternity. Look what he says to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? What, what games are coming up in just a couple of weeks? The Olympic games. How many of you like the Olympics? Do those athletes have to go into strict training? You can't just show up in Rio and, and, and enter the hundred meter dash. You could try, right? They go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So you're going to have to make some choices to arrange your life around some things that help you remain in Jesus if you want to be the person that Jesus created you to be. Creed realizes he needs some training. He's been doing it on his own. Watch this clip. I help you? Looking to sign up? Where you from? L.A.? Hollywood. Which gym? I know all those guys. Don't have one. More self-taught. You uh, you know about both? Yeah, we grew up together. Well, most members just work themselves out an extra twenty dollars a month. I can give you drills. Check in on you when I can. Yeah, that works. Hey, up. Done. You call me young? I can do that. Sound good. So would you come by? You hungry? No, I just wrapped up at the gym. Can no. I stop by? Okay. You ask you a question? Sure. I can do all this. Uh, what are some drills I can do to get my hand speed up? Some guys up there, I bet they can help you. There's a guy there named Pete. He's a pretty good trainer. Yeah, but he's where spider most of the time. I mostly just train myself. I didn't know you're a creed. I don't go by that. I'm trying to make it on my own. Name's Johnson. Who's Johnson? Mom's name. Plus, just makes life easy. Right. Plus, you know, if you train me, ain't nobody around here knows me. We can fly under the radar. You never know. Yeah. I told you before, I just don't want to do it, kid. I mean, that's cool, but, you know, maybe you could just, you know, give me some drills. Drills? Yeah, things I could do them all. You don't stop, do you? Like a woodpecker. Hey, I got a few. That's it. Okay? No, of course. Right, five rounds jumping rope. Three rounds 
on each of the bags or even to the heavy bag. Just don't keep throwing your hands because you can hurt them. It's also about using your legs, right? And then five rounds of shadow. O.W. W. Boxing. Boxing, yeah. And that's it. All right? Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. I got it. Hold that real quick. All right, man. Wait, don't you want this? I got it right here. What if you lose that there? It breaks. It's already up in the cloud. So Adonis realizes he can't be who God wants him to be without some help. You can't be who God wants you to be without some help. God never intended for you to be alone. If you look at the at the Garden of Eden, Genesis, there was one thing in the Garden of Eden that, that was not good. Man was alone. So what did God do? He created Eve so that Adam wouldn't be alone anymore. I don't know if you realize this. God created the church so that you didn't have to do life alone so that you would have a spiritual family that you could connect with that could help you grow. And when we get connected to the, to the church, the, the body of Christ, then we're supposed to go and spread his message to a world that needs that same idea. We're supposed to worship together, serve together, spread the message of Jesus together, eat together, study the Bible together. The key word is together. We're even supposed to go places like Haiti together. Three years ago, I've, I've been, I've taken seven trips now, seven mission trips to Haiti. Three years ago, uh, in Haiti at Cote Plage, where Pastor Sampson is the pastor, I got to know Gary Ward. I really didn't know him that well. I'd been around him, been, seen him in small groups. I'd seen him at church. He, he was helping doing different things. But I got to know Gary at, at three years ago in Haiti. And I found out that Gary is a great worker. Gary never complains and he's really funny, but you got to be close enough to hear his remarks because he's not going to say them very loudly, right? And so had a great time with him. Jared was the same way a few years ago. Got to, got to know Gary. I said, Gary can come any two years ago, um, in, in our same place in our room, there were so many of us in that room that our beds were touching. So I have a wall where my, my inflatable bed is touching and I have George Stanley on the other side. I got to know George real well. If George rolled over, his bed would hit mine and knock me into the wall. If I rolled over, I'd hit, it would hit his bed. One day we're in there just kind of chilling out and I was taking a nap. I fell asleep and, and, and George found out firsthand that I'm a psycho sleeper. I don't even know what happened, but I came flying out of bed, arms going, and George said, I looked crazy. Like I was going to kill something. And he's like, dude, chill out. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what just happened. You, you learn some interesting things about people when you go on mission trips. This year, Kate, uh, Casey and Cody Allen went with us. And, and even though they've been in my small group, even though I've played softball with them, I learned new things about them this year. We had an absolute blast with them. They just went uh, to the Rangers game with the, the teenagers the other night. And, and, and my girls were like, yes, we love them. They can come. I learned new things about my girls on this trip. And I know they're hard workers. Um, they see their mom. They, they do things like their mom does. But this year on the trip, if there was work that needed to be done, my girls were the first ones who would jump up there and, and, and volunteer. And I was so proud of them for that. You, you only get to know people when you spend time with them. It's true in a marriage. It's true in friendships. And it's true in a church. And if you don't know people, it's because you are choosing not to fellowship. 
The key part is to do it together. It doesn't matter if you're married, single, male, female, young or old. Part of remaining close to Jesus is to get involved in a church and do spiritual activities together. It's arranging your life around things that that help you remain in, remain close to Jesus. Now, let me give you a caution. Anything that competes against your spiritual activities should raise a huge red flag. And, and I'm not against sports. I love the Olympics. We're going to watch the Olympics. We're going to be cheering uh, in Haiti just, just out of silliness. The last night we were at the hotel and the girls were, were diving in together and one of our translators started giving them scores. And one time she gave them a 10 and so we decided they won the gold medal. We put them up on this little wall and we sang the Star Spangled Banner right there in this hotel and people were walking through thinking we were crazy. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Rachel planned some, some uh, Olympics games for the teenagers. They did the discus throw and they did a watermelon wrestle and they, they've done all these different things. One of the funniest things was they put on Facebook, they had a, a medal ceremony. She made medals, gold medals, silver, bronze, and they had a medal ceremony. If you saw it on Facebook, the, the American flag was on the TVs in the youth room and they were singing the Star Spangled Banner. We love the Olympics. I love competition. I love the Rangers. I stayed up last night. I couldn't even sleep well because I was waiting on the Rangers to finally win that game last night and hit a home run. Ooh, yay. Here's the point. Michael Phelps is the most decorated male athlete in Olympic history. When Michael Phelps stands before God, do you think God's going to be impressed with all his gold medals? No. And that's an incredible feat. Something I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go into that training. He's given up his whole life for the gold medals. Yay for him. It's not going to do anything in heaven. You need to be arranging your life around those things that prepare you to hear your heavenly father say, good job. And you get rewards or you lose rewards based on what you do. So my question to you is, what do you need to start doing that will allow you to go into strict training so that you look more like Jesus? But then there's just as important as the question, what do you need to stop doing so that you have time to do those activities that help you make, make you look more like Jesus? Now, in this last scene, Creed finally gets the right team in place, and through training, it enables him to do what he couldn't have done earlier by trying hard. Watch this. This is the crew, if I ever saw one. Hey, Batman, hey, good Jack. to see you. Come on, Jack. Long. This guy is so good with the mitts, he's going to teach a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of knowledge and stitch. Best cut man in Philadelphia. But we don't need him. And over here is Elvis Grant. He makes the best glove in the world. Uh-huh. And as my presence to you, starting out on the right foot, Thank you, man. he's going to make you a pair of gloves so your hands don't get so bad as me. What? Is that coffee I smell in that? Yeah, that's coffee. All right, you guys get to know each other. Man. Man. Man, I can eat some coffee. This is just my son. This is my son, man. That's what he's going to be small with. Man, son, down. That's me. This is how I work, okay? There's some things I can't do. I can't do this anymore. I can never hold a pass like that. But I'm looking at you. I'm working with you. And I'm working with this. Pop, this oh, evening, yeah. still taking the real shots? Slow it down. Hey, hey. That's it. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. 
It's easy work, Pop. Uh-huh. Okay. Right, keep moving. You know what? You can't learn anything you're talking. That's a fact of life. You know what I mean? As long as you're talking, you're not listening. Go we'll apologize. There you go. You good, you good. 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 Alright. Now let, let's go to work. favorite lines is when you're talking you're not listening you're not learning it's a fact of life he said if you're if your mouth's moving you're you're not listening you're not learning if if i were to send you out right now to fight satan how long would you last one second somebody said Every week, I dismiss you, and whether you know it or not, I'm sending you out into a spiritual battle where you are fighting Satan. And I can tell you how long you last. It's based on how much training you've done. If you've done zero training, you walk out these doors and you go to fight Satan, one punch from the enemy, you go down, you whine and you complain about, God's never there for me, you didn't train to succeed. You got knocked on your rear and you're blaming God because you didn't train. Now, maybe you train for a little bit and you might can take two or three punches and it's, oh God, where are you? Like you're supposed to have all the money and all your dreams are supposed to come true. God never promised that. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. But if you train spiritually, then the scripture says that even the gates of hell will not prevail against you. We desperately need more people at New Life who will enter strict training so that they look more like Jesus. And that's never going to happen if people don't make a choice to be disciplined. Here's the definition of a disciplined person. Someone who can do the right thing at the right time in the right way with the right spirit. Does anybody want to be that person? I want to be that person. Somebody who'll do the right thing at the right time in the right way in the right spirit. But I want to be more than that person. I want to be a disciplined follower of Jesus. I didn't, maybe I should have put this on there. A disciplined follower of Jesus is someone who discerns when laughter, when gentleness, when silence, when healing words or righteous indignation is called for and offers it promptly and lovingly. I want to be that. Sometimes you need kindness. Sometimes you need laughter. Sometimes you need a prophetic word of God to kick you in the rear. And if we discern those things and become those type of people, 
the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Now, we'll not become that type of person without some strict training. And and you've got to make a choice that you're going to go into training because you never drift into a life of training. It's a choice. Now, I want to ask you something. I want you to fill out your registration cards, and I'm going to, I got two questions for you today, and I want everybody to do this. The unexamined life is not worth living. I want you to examine your life today, and I want you to write a couple things on the back of the card. I'm the only one that will see the cards. First thing is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how disciplined are you spiritually? 10 is me and Jesus are hanging out in the wilderness praying every day. We're getting up early. We're going out and we're praying. We go to an isolated place. We're praying. I'm reading scripture. Me, me and the angels on our first name basis. That's a 10. A one is I'm struggling to make it to church. All right? So put it on there. What are you? How disciplined are you spiritually? Second thing is. What I've discovered in 33 years of of ministry is that many times we'll do something, we'll get close to God, and then, then life happens and we quit doing that thing. So my question is, what did you used to do that helped you get close to God that you stopped doing? Write it down. And then I'm going to challenge you to make some choices starting right now that you'll go into strict training. Strict training isn't fun, but it's worth it. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, would you, would you put upon your people the heaviness of the conviction of your Holy Spirit? Because God, it's true in America, we're lazy spiritually. We don't walk up huge hills to go to church. We don't sit in, in unair conditioned worship centers for hours at a time just because, just so we can declare how much we love you. As a result, the condition of the church in our country is very feeble, very weak. Train us to look like Jesus. We pray in the name of your son. Amen.